Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. We are celebrating today because this is our 150th episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Today's topic is the origin story of the phrase, God loves you no matter what. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so God loves you no matter what is how we end every podcast. It's true. And I don't think I've ever heard where the phrase and story comes from. So please start there. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? I preached about this a couple of weeks ago in worship, but I don't even actually remember which week it was. Mm. And so I can't refer us back to that particular Facebook Live worship stream. Okay. So instead, the story is that in my second call, so we refer to times in churches as a pastor as a call. Okay. So not my first call where I first started as a pastor, but my second congregation that I served. I had a family contact me to ask if they could meet with me. Okay. And I said, absolutely, no problem. So they came into my office one afternoon and the four of us sat around the table, two loving parents and a young daughter and myself. They shared with me that their daughter had been having a really, really hard time taking risks. Okay. That she was really afraid of doing something and not getting it right. Mm, I think that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Now, this person was very young, eight or nine years old, and just really anxious and scared of being wrong and getting things wrong. Along the conversation went, and I don't remember exactly how, and I want to maintain some anonymity and some respect for privacy here, but in part of this conversation... We got to a point where what she expressed was that she worried when she made mistakes or when she didn't get things right, that she could not be loved. By anyone? Particularly by God. Okay. And she looked at me and just these great big giant alligator tears. Sure. You know, like happens really effectively when you're eight or nine, Mm -hmm. big alligator tears just running down her face. And then by this point, both her mom and dad are crying as well to hear their child say how she did not feel like she could be loved because she wasn't good enough, because she got things wrong, because she didn't know things yet. All of the stuff that we struggle with as human beings. Sure. And then I think Personally, I have seen an incredible uptick in the last five to seven years is this incredible pressure on young people to know everything ahead of when they could possibly even know it. Mm -hmm. And maybe because we expect them to know things because they can Google it. I don't know. Or they expect themselves to be able to know things because they can Google it. But whatever it is, this incredible pressure to know things and be perfect and not get something wrong, to try something and get it right. And then to doubt your worth if you don't get it right. This was one of the first times I was really seeing this in a younger student. Mm -hmm. It's not the last time. No. And so she just had this moment and she was just crying and and I stopped her and I looked right. I didn't stop her from crying, but I just kind of stopped the conversation and I looked at her and I said, honey, 
God loves you no matter what. So it's a Pastor Amandaism. And she looked at me and she kind of just like her little eyes opened up a little bit and she said, no matter what. <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. no matter what. There's nothing you could ever do to lose that. There's nothing you have to do to earn that. No matter what you do, God just loves you. Just the tears kept, but there was hope in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we talked more about that. We talked about what does that then mean and how can we remind ourselves of that? And what are tools that we can do to help remember that no matter what we do, God's love is enough. And I sent her that day with a small bracelet that's uh, like prayer beads. Uh And the way that I have used prayer beads in the past is just to go over them again and again and again with the same kind of phrase. For myself, for a long time, that was all will be well and all will be well and all manner of things will be well. Sure. Love Julian of Norwich. And so I use that one to calm myself and my fears. And I told this young one, I said, here, put this bracelet on and you can go through it and say, no matter what, God loves me, no matter what. God loves me no matter what. And you can use that to remind yourself whenever you're feeling scared or you're feeling unworthy or you're feeling anxious and all of those things, feeling afraid, and you can remember that you are loved no matter what. And when I would see her the weeks and the year to come, she had that with her. Mm -hmm. And it became something then that, yeah, as a Pastor Amanda thing, it's a distillation of the theology of grace, right? It's a distillation of the Romans passage, we are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And what becomes of the law, it is nothing because the law of grace. And it became a mantra that developed into my sermons Okay, as I was finishing my ministry in that call. I was going to say, when did you... Take it global, as it were. (laughs) With this podcast. Mm. So truly, probably using it most with this podcast. But I came here to this call, and I had been using it consistently for probably a year. Okay. Maybe a little less. But when I got here, our kids here were the large group of them that we have, the big cohort. Yeah. The oldest was about three. Yeah, they were very little. They were very little. So now they're seven, eight. And I was looking at this crew of young ones and thinking of this other child that I love and carry in my heart. And I thought, if I can teach them at two and three that God loves them no matter what, if I can teach them as they're learning language and as they're learning who God is, if we can start it here that God loves them no matter what, then by the time they get to seven, eight, nine, maybe that will be so ingrained. They will have known it from before they can remember knowing things. Like if I can teach it to them that early, Mm -hmm. then maybe the challenges that so many of us face worrying about our worthiness, and I have no doubt it's not going to be a super pill that's going to take away all their self-doubt, but If I can instill in some way that kind of knowledge of worth and value and unconditional love early enough, then maybe they won't have quite the same kind of doubts when they get older. Do you get the same kind of 
positive feedback from adults as you do from kids on Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's harder for adults, right? Adults hear it and they lean into it, but they don't cling to it. Well, we want it to be true, but we're still not sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot longer for an adult to come to believe that than for a child to be assured of that. Sure. Because I think in some ways, as children, we know this, depending upon maybe, I mean, I should put the caveat on that not all children experience love from infancy. Sure. Right. So not all children get that kind of positive message from infancy. That's for sure. Right. And I will say that maybe many of us, I think that when we are created, there is a knowledge of worth and value that becomes questioned as we grow, depending upon the environment in which we grow. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And so I think that for little ones, if we can start them with this base of love and knowledge of their worth and value, then as they grow, they can believe that. If they we've already gone through decades of, well, I'm worthy of love as long as I have my makeup on. <laughs> right? Sure. I'm worthy of love as long as I'm a size 10. Right? Like once we've had all that conditioning, it's going to take a lot more than your pastor saying God loves you no matter what mm-hmm. to undo that conditioning, unfortunately. Wouldn't it be awesome if it didn't take a whole lot? (laughs) One little balm and you're ready to go. Wouldn't that be cool? Man, that would be an awesome magic wand Mm -hmm. fixer. Have you ever gotten negative feedback from this? Oh, yeah. Yeah? (laughs) Mostly from people who don't want cheap grace. Okay. Who don't want grace to come cheap. This idea that so we're talking still within the Lutheran theology. Sure. Okay. Sure. Or you're talking wider. You've said it to somebody. People who've heard me say it and want to just kind of kick back against that. And it kicks back with things like, well, on the same kinds of ways that we kick back against universal salvation, the same way we kick back against, right? If you stand sure. for everything, you stand for nothing. How can you say that God is that all love? You don't have any law left. You're supposed to be holding a gospel law tension. All those kinds of pieces, I guess for me, where I kick back against that is to say, I think we do a really good job of understanding the law and condemning ourselves and seeing our worthlessness. I think it's a lot harder for us to see our value and the inherentness of God's love for us. Mm -hmm. And especially among the communities that I walk outside of the church and the communities of, I think that children just need that period because Mm -hmm. the world is going to have plenty of time to tell them how worthless they are. So I think for me, I err on the side of this rampant, abundant, crazy grace of God and proclaiming that crazy grace because there's plenty of places to get the message that we aren't enough, don't do enough, won't be enough, will never size up to what is right or good. And so when people come back at me for, you know, standing for everything, so standing for nothing or having a marshmallow God or (laughs) right, any of the kind of flag back being so open and loving towards everybody except for people who don't believe like you. When I start getting that kind of flack back, I just kind of say, okay, sure, it's how you feel. It's not going to stop me from holding people accountable to harmful behaviors towards others. Okay. And loving people unconditionally and letting them know of their inherent value and worth in the eyes of a creator who made them, according to our scriptures, inherently good. And I will lean into my scripture and I will lean into the biblical passages that give me the credibility on this statement 
that we are created by God, what God creates is good, and God loves us and has done everything over and over and over again throughout human history, throughout our sacred story, to consistently chase us down. And if God is not doing that out of love, then I don't know why God would be doing that. It's certainly not out of retribution. Because if it were out of retribution, God wouldn't have sent Jesus. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't send your child to show people how to love if you're sending retribution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's illogical. Right? It just doesn't match. So, yeah, I get that kickback. Not going to stop me. No. What do you say, though, if somebody is just unwilling to believe it? For themselves or for others? Yes. (laughs) Start with themselves. I just keep saying it. Okay. And showing them. Okay. Keep living it. Okay. Right. And that can get me into trouble. This is why I am not the best person to be a foster parent. Okay. (laughs) I learned the hard way, right? That this unconditional love this ability to see the inherent worth and value and to tell someone that they're loved no matter what is a gift that I've been given to be able to do. But it means that sometimes my boundaries get really squishy. Oh, sure. I have a really crazy ability to forgive and I'm grateful for that capacity to forgive, but it has put me in some really bad situations Mm. in my lifetime Mm -hmm. because I will cling to the inherent worth and value of a person over keeping myself safe and that's not healthy and that's mine to work on which means I set different boundaries and parameters now in my life Mm -hmm. um, with who I am responsible to it's one thing to be responsible in a congregation I can love and forgive my members that's totally fine loving and forgiving an abusive spouse for example my first husband maybe not so healthy Mm -hmm. right children who have some substantial mental health challenges, sometimes firm boundaries are what are needed more than unconditional love. And that has been one of the hardest lessons of my life. Sure. And I think we all somewhat forget that the unconditional love is primarily something we're talking about coming from God and not necessarily ourselves. Right. And when someone doesn't believe it can come from God, We can be a sign of that love Mm -hmm. in the world for them to hopefully see it from God. Mm -hmm. And there's some points in time where you can't do that. Yeah. No, there (laughs) has to be a line somewhere. And people talk about tough love. Sure. In those situations. And I'm really unskilled at that. I'm really bad at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, because it's hard. Because it's really, really, really hard. But that's one way. Like if someone really doesn't believe it for themselves, then you can show it to them. When everyone's healthy and has healthy boundaries and you know you're in a good enough situation and Mm -hmm. it's okay, so all those things in place, then continuing to love on them yourself Mm -hmm. and continuing to be present and continuing to reflect their value back to them is something that we can do. They may never come to accept that God loves them, but maybe through your loving of them they can see a glimpse of God's love for them. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And if we say then people who think that God doesn't love other people, how do I handle that? Mm-hmm. That's an issue we're dealing with greatly in this yeah. society, in this particular country. 
And that one, I would say, is where some of that boundary setting comes in. Okay. And I find it easier to do that. Maybe like the mama bear comes out in me. Mm. If someone says this person isn't worthy or that God doesn't love them, I get mama bear slash roller derby blocker mm-hmm. kind of space and say that that's a lie. That's an untruth. Mm-hmm. And in that, you don't get to say that to them. Mm-hmm. In the same way that I wouldn't let it go back the other way mm-hmm. either. You can't say that God doesn't love the people in the opposing viewpoint from your own. Period. Doesn't mean that behaviors are excused. There's accountability for action. Sure. But to tell someone that they are inherently unworthy and unlovable, to me, is not an acceptable choice. There's other ways to engage in discourse than to question one another's inherent worth and value in the world. I would say you have a superpower and that you could potentially quote things from the Bible, which for certain groups tends to shut down the argument more. But then there's proof texting and that tends to go nowhere fast. Bible bullets Mm -hmm. help nobody. Mm -mm. And they make you feel fabulously self-righteous, but all you've done is harmed someone else. Yeah. And that's not really the whole point. Mm -mm. No. So again, it comes back for me, it comes back to living authentically and living this theology authentically. Excellent. So I referenced it between children and adults being useful. And I know you started using it with children first. Mm -hmm. Do you find it more useful for one group or the other, or is it something you try to apply to both? I try to apply it to both. I would say that one of the ways people on the podcast may not know how it gets used in our worship here is that in the children's sermon time, since these kids were three, Mm -hmm. so for the last five years of their life, more than double their lifetime, right? We've been using it kind of as a call and response. Yep. So I will say, God loves you, and they will say, no matter what. And we have a rhythm. And so anything that you get into a rhythm and a back and forthing participation kind of thing helps people in general catch into it and hold it in their hearts a little more effectively. That's why we have team chants and we have things that we do as communities to bind us together and show us that we're connected. So God loves you no matter what. Mm -hmm. That rhythm binds the heartbeats of this congregation over the last five years. Now, it really is settled into the children, but every adult that has been present for these five years oh, hearing totally this week hear after too. week. Sure. Exactly. And so when I use it in my adult sermons, I will often have them still do the no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I've used it for all ages in that sense. Mm-hmm. I use it less frequently with the adults than I have with the children, but only because adults have gotten it in the children's sermon as well. Mm-hmm. Well, they're getting the same amount of repetition. They're right. just not actually vocalizing it every time. Right. And it's interesting because sometimes the adults will vocalize it. Oh, they totally will, along with the end of the children's sermon prayer. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I make a really specific point. I don't face the adults when I'm doing a children's mm-hmm. time. I always face the kids. I want the kids to know that they are my focus. Oh, Sure. So I have no idea what the adults look like when we're doing these things. And when I do the prayer at the end, I have no idea, but I hear them. Yeah. Sometimes I hear the adults repeating the children's sermon prayer more loudly than the children. Oh, yeah. 
So it kind of blends it all in together. And I think that in that way, it speaks to the childlike center of the adult's heart. Oh, yeah. And speaks to the adult growth of the children. That's fair. And that's lovely. And that's also going to lead me to my last question. Alrighty. Do you have a favorite response from somebody that you said this to? Hmm. That's a good question. I think the story that pops into my head right away is a grandparent whose young grand great-grandchild, I believe, had come to worship a couple of times with us. Okay. And they had gone out and they were doing something and they had seen someone and the little one who was probably four or five had heard someone say something negative about that person or something like that. Uh huh. And the great grandma came back and said, and do you know what he said to me? I'm like, well, what, what, what happened? He goes, he said that that was wrong because God loves him no matter what. Yay, it stuck. And it had stuck. This little one in a few visits, it had stuck and it had gone out into the way he saw the world. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And there was another year when the kids had gotten just old enough and it was Reformation Sunday. I was asking the kids, probably they were five or six by this point. And I said, do you think that you need to pay God to love you. And they looked at me like I had grown horns on my head. (laughs) And they're like, no, obviously, right? Like it was so clear, a no. And I'm like, do you think that you could do something that God would never love you again? No. And their responses were so solidly convicted. Mm Mm-hmm. That they just knew. And I said, well, why? Why do you think that? And they shouted back at me, because God loves us no matter what. Oh, that's so fabulous. And it was just this, okay, they got it. Mm -hmm. We can move on. Let's take the next step then. Mm -hmm. It's in your bones. Let's keep that. And now let's grow. God loves you no matter what. That means God loves everybody no matter what. And now let's start talking about what that means on how we act in the world. Mm -hmm. And so the children's sermons have changed because now it's about how we live in the world and not just making sure that they know that they're valued. So it's a journey. But I'd say that those two stories, knowing that it's getting into them, it's getting in their souls and it's getting in their bones and they know it. And at least right now they know it. They'll probably question it a million times through their teens and 20s. Sure. But right now it's there. And that is the most beautiful, awesome gift that that beautiful child and that incredible family gave. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more today. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another 151st topic. (laughs) As do I. And thank you for your commitment to this incredible podcast. My absolute pleasure. 150 editing episodes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by writing to us at podcast at centralportland.org or reaching out to us on Facebook. 
It would be great to see you review us on iTunes, helps other people find the podcast and know that it might be worth a few minutes of their time. Thank you for joining us. And until we are in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.